When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. Go! This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You know, it's another holiday tradition that a lot of families start thinking about right after they wrap up the Thanksgiving meal. The search for a real Wisconsin Christmas tree. But in light of the pandemic, is that even going to be an opportunity for your family? We are all about bringing you that news when it connects to Wisconsin agriculture. And, of course, our Wisconsin Christmas tree growers are a valuable part about it. We're talking with Greg Han. He is uh, one of the Wisconsin Christmas tree growers that's made some special efforts to allow your family to enjoy that search for a real Wisconsin Christmas tree. Just one of the stories we've got for you on a Wednesday. How are you doing? I'm Farm Director Pam Yankee. No, I'm not impressed with the weather either, but the good news is it looks like it's going to get a little bit better as the week wears on. For today, still a good 60% chance of moisture in our forecast. It actually could provide a little bit of a fog out there this morning. 41 are expected high, with overnight lows tonight down to 35. For Thanksgiving Thursday, cloudy skies with some afternoon sunshine. 42 are expected high, 28 overnight. For Friday, cloudy skies, 40 degrees. Saturday, a beautiful day, sunshine and 48. We'll find out what Stumach has to say about that forecast. Coming your way in just a little bit. A history of success means proven performance. But let's call performance what it is. Profitability. And boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of DeKalb brand corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support. Let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how DeKalb brand corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Well, in many households, when we grew up, the day before Thanksgiving, you couldn't use the kitchen sink because the turkey was in there thawed out. And oh, it was worth the wait, though, because Thanksgiving Thanksgiving dinner is so special. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn, and every family, of course, has their little specialties for the Thanksgiving dinner, which make it a, a little bit special. We always had about four or five different kinds of dressing to go along with the turkey, mashed potatoes, cranberries, green beans, and everything else. And Pam, I know your uh, mother has a, a little bit of, Spanish blood in her. I'll bet you had a few different uh, entrees at Thanksgiving as well. You know, it depended on what you asked her for. Now, you guys had a big family, didn't you, Bob? You had quite a few faces around the table when you got together. Oh, yeah. We had, oh, we always had 20, 25, maybe 30 at Thanksgiving dinner. So we had a pretty big turkey. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, not quite as big at the Yankee household, but you're right. The diversity was always there. If we wanted, Ma would make Spanish rice. If we needed, we'd have some tortillas. And uh, then again, we might just have the straight out uh, turkey, uh, sweet potatoes, uh, stuffing, and so forth. I hope whatever you're planning on having for tomorrow with however many you're planning on enjoying it with, that you do have a good Thanksgiving. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, where we did talk Thanksgiving, the meal, the trends that we're seeing, and what's coming in Washington, D.C. with John Newton, chief economist at the American Farm Bureau Federation. You know, they just released their market basket survey on the national scene. Again, uh, down compared to what we spent for the meal last year. Same thing in Wisconsin. Got a chance to visit with John and asked him to explain to me the numbers he saw as far as consumer trends and our Thanksgiving meal. Well, we've been doing this survey for 
uh, 35 years. And this year we had over 230 volunteer shoppers uh, across the country. We actually had a survey uh, response from every single state in the United States. And that's the first time uh, in the 35 year history of this survey that we've had uh, somebody respond from every state. Uh, and our volunteer shoppers found that the price of this year's classic Thanksgiving dinner for 10 with all the fixings, pumpkin pie, cranberry sauce, sweet potatoes, uh, mashed potatoes came in at $46 and 90 cents. Uh, that was down 4% from last year uh, and the lowest price we've seen since 2010. Did that surprise you, John, knowing everything that you've witnessed in uh, regards to the pandemic, clear shelves and all that? You know, it it it, it didn't. Um, and, you know, when I saw the final number as, as things were coming together, uh, you know, the turkey price came down uh, nearly 7% to $1.21 per pound. Uh, when you look at USDA, they've got turkey prices across the country ranging from uh, as low as 29 cents per pound to $1.99 per pound. And, and more than 80% of retailers are already running specials uh, for Thanksgiving. I think, you know, it's going to, like you said, it'll be a smaller, uh, more intimate gathering. Uh, but but I think uh, grocers uh, know it's going to be competitive to get foot traffic in the stores this holiday. And, and they start at their promotions early. I've got to ask you, John, because you're an ag economist, you've been involved in the industry your entire career. When everything started cascading in March and April, I always think of ag economists as the guys that you can turn to because they have historical perspective. They look at uh, real means as far as information is concerned. What struck you when everything started cascading for agriculture for all of us in March and April? Well, the, you know, we, we work on a lot of issues other than just markets. The first thing that we had to deal with was uh, engaging with the State Department to make sure that, that farmers and ranchers uh, had access to the guest workers that they needed. Uh, that's critically important. So we 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 went to work immediately. But then from a, a market perspective, when you shut down schools, when you shut down restaurants, uh, Americans spent nearly two trillion in 2018 on food, uh, and more than half of that was food away from home. So you immediately uh, you know disrupted one of our critical supply lines, uh, and and we had to we had to be flexible. Uh, we bend. We didn't break. Uh, the fact that Americans could still get everything they wanted to eat throughout this pandemic uh, is a testament to U.S. farmers and ranchers. Well, and, you know, here we're sitting in Wisconsin where we were caught between a rock and a hard spot. One day I'm doing stories about dairy farmers dumping milk. The next day I'm doing stories about how consumers can't get enough milk for their families. We learned a lot about our system and how it does or doesn't function, didn't we? Uh, we certainly did. You know, on, on the dairy side, uh, you had certain plants that were fabricated, had had restaurant contracts that saw them get canceled. Now, all of a sudden, you've got farmers that don't have a home for their milk, and milk is highly perishable. Uh, so farmers were dumping milk. We went to work immediately on that, too, uh, and made sure that farmers that bought uh, a dairy revenue protection uh, policy wouldn't be penalized for having to dump milk. Uh, we went to work and made sure that the CARES Act uh, delivered direct payments to dairy farmers, and, and we were able to get uh, up to $6 per hundredweight uh, in direct payments through CFAP1 for folks. Uh, we went to work with uh, dairy farmers that had to sign uh, forward contracts at really low prices that then saw the market rally. I mean, you name it, we were working on all the different dairy issues. Wisconsin Farm Bureau uh, was a, a great uh, partner in that effort, helping us identify the challenges in the dairy industry and how we could go to work to fix it. 
Yeah, well, and as you say, it's something that has constantly in need of work. Now, here we go into 2021, John. Still a lot of uncertainty as far as the pandemic's concerned. And now uncertainty as far as uh, what's going to be happening with leadership in Washington, D.C. What's your vantage point? What are you keeping an eye on? What should farmers keep an eye on? Well, I think, you know, farmers should should know that, that um, you know, President Zippy Duvall has, has already been uh, sought out for his his advice uh, with uh, the transition team to identify the priorities uh, of farmers and ranchers. We continue to work with the current administration uh, as well, uh, working on issues. Uh, continue to work with USDA on uh, very important issues for farmers and ranchers, whether uh, it's the uh, and working with Department of Labor on the H two A rule. So uh, we're very engaged, and we want to have a seat at the table uh, with with the new members of Congress and the new administration. Uh, so, you know, we've identified our priorities. Uh, agriculture industry as a whole uh, has identified their priorities, and we look forward to working with our newly ele- elected officials. Are you getting a sense, John? Are we going to see any more uh, USDA stimulus? I mean, our dairy producers have been directly impacted by the Farm to Families Food Box Program. What's the what's the rumor out there? Are we going to see any more before the end of the calendar year? You know, I, I, that I don't know. Um, you know, the Folks on the Hill are still negotiating that final stimulus package. Uh, certain provisions in the House uh, proposal did include uh, some additional resources for food donation programs, uh, which could potentially tap into dairy. Uh, the Senate side uh, had uh, resources more on the uh, you know direct payment style. So uh, at this point, it's too early uh, to know where we're going to end up on a stimulus package. But uh, one thing's for certain. Um, you know, we continue to monitor what's happening in the dairy industry. Uh, we've seen prices fall pretty sharply over the last few weeks. Uh, you know, the food box program helped to lift cheese prices, uh, but, you know, we weren't putting butter in those boxes. Uh, we wouldn't put in some of the other dairy ingredients in those boxes. So cheese kind of ran away from everybody else in terms of prices. And that that led us into these uh, wild negative PPDs and massive amounts of deep pooling. Uh, in the dairy industry, you know, Wisconsin's fortunate. You guys got a bunch of cheese plants, uh, but elsewhere where they don't have as much cheese production, some of those dairy farmers are really struggling. Yeah, agreed. And we'll wait and see what 2021 holds. Uh, Joining us now, John Newton, he is chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. One item that we haven't touched on, John, but it's going to be paramount to what happens with agriculture in 2021, the trade situation. Uh, We have been commenting about how China has really come to the table big time over the past couple of weeks. What do you see going forward 2021? There's also rumors that China wants to start renegotiating right out of the right out of the chute. Well, they, they have been in the market in a very big way in terms of uh, making purchase commitments, um, you know, record purchases of corn, uh, very, very strong purchases of soybeans uh, as well. Uh, what we need to see happen is is that that product get loaded on a boat and shipped to China. Uh, that's when you know that it's a bona fide export. Uh, the market's flying high right now on these export sales, but they're also going to be watching to make sure these sales don't get canceled. Uh, and in the past, they have been. Uh, not not major cancellations, but they do cancel from time to time. So we need to continue to monitor that um, on the trade front. And whether or not, you know, we don't know yet what the the, the next administration is going to do. They have not, you know, n- the seats are not full on the bus just yet. And so I think it's important to to let them get in, turn the lights on, see who's going to sit in those seats uh, and, and identify the priorities uh, for agriculture moving forward. Uh, what I can tell you is, 
Uh, if you give us fair market access around the world, uh, you, you rely on science-based practices, uh, we can compete with just about anybody, and that's what we want to do. Well, we will wait and see. It's a story that's yet developing. That's John Newton, chief economist. American Farm Bureau Federation, they are on the front lines of all of these issues, whether it's uh, regarding production capacities and limitations or whether it's policy development on the state, uh, national or international scene. They're all over it. John Newton, along with us from the American Farm Bureau Federation. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Here's a pop quiz for corn growers. Of the top three seed corn brands in the Central Corn Belt, only one is 100% focused on seed corn. U.S. farm family owned and got there without the help of a parent company. Any guesses? That's right. Wiffles Hybrids. Officially making them the grown-up in the field. Wiffles Hybrids. One thing done right. No matter your traditions, the holiday season has always been about coming together. Don't focus on the preparations and the hustle or bustle. Enjoy your time with the family. And just like Christmas is a time to gather, so are funerals. Trust it to us at Gunderson Life Celebration Centers. We'll handle the details. You catch up with loved ones safely. Find us at GundersonFH.com. We're always there to help. Gunderson Funerals, serving Dane County for the past century. At Tom's Auto Center, we're known for being up front with our auto repairs. And name brand new tires. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. Goodyear, Firestone, Brigstone, Michelin, BF Goodrich, Continental, and Kelly Tires. We carry and install them all. When you need new tires, Tom's Auto Center will make sure you leave happy. Tom's Auto Center. Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Are you paying too much for health insurance? Rural Mutual Insurance can help you find the best options for individual, group, vision, dental, and Medicare. Call your local Rural Mutual agent to see how you can save. Mutual insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Farm goddess, agricultural princess, queen of all that moves. Nah, let's stick with farm babe. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Kind of like pea soup out there this morning, and I don't think it's just in the Madison area. I think it's all over the place, but I don't know. I'm not the weather dude. Let's bring him in. Stumach Ag Meteorologist along with us. If I was really good at this job, I'd have like some some sound effect, a foghorn or something, because you said it's pretty, pretty thick out there uh, south of Fond du Lac too, huh? Oh, everywhere. And if, if you're going to call me dude, I would have dressed better today. Sorry. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> well, listen, just think of yourself as the big Lebowski, because then you probably fit that uh, dress code a little bit better the, at this time of the day. The, fl- the flannel works really well. Yes, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be, yeah. that's, that is the, uh, that is the time of the year to be sport and plaid, because like you said, this is, it's foggy out there this morning, but it is going to stay a little on the chilly side till we get towards the weekend, huh? 
All right. Well, temperatures aren't bad. Believe it or not, they're above normal and will continue that way a little more in a spectacular fashion as we look on toward Thanksgiving Day, absolutely, and Saturday as well. Fog around. The dense fog advisory this morning covers just about everybody in Wisconsin, southeast Minnesota, northeast Iowa, with the exception of southeast Wisconsin, the Milwaukee metro and further south, a little lighter in that area. Otherwise, everybody under the dense fog advisory until 10 a.m. this morning. Be on the alert. And in some places, it may freeze on your windshield or just on the back step. So be a little extra cautious getting going. A frontal boundary pulling away from southeast Wisconsin, and that's where rain is really far south. Racine and down into northern Illinois this morning, back into east-central parts of Iowa. That activity stays off to the south. But we have the clouds, the fog around here, and a bit later today with that boundary still just to the south, there could be a little rain, especially in southern and eastern Wisconsin, southeast Wisconsin too. A little light rain, you know, trace amounts, maybe a hundredth or two of an inch, but that chance around later today or tonight, some fog again expected tonight. We finally start to clear it out as we head through Thanksgiving Thursday and on toward Friday. That's when a weak cool front just zips through out of the Northwest. I'll have forecast details right after this. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Are you paying too much for health insurance? Rural Mutual Insurance can help you find the best options for individual, group, vision, dental, and Medicare. Call your local Rural Mutual agent to see how you can save. Inheriting a farm and what to do as an absentee landowner can be difficult. There are tough questions to address, as in, when is a good time to sell? How do you find a buyer? What's the land worth? With farmlandfinder.com, you can get answers. Simply go to farmlandfinder.com to request an offer on your land. There's absolutely no cost. By getting an offer from a verified buyer on Farmland Finder, you can test the market without having to commit to selling. Request your free offer on land at farmlandfinder.com. All righty, Stu. We got a lot of folks that are still going to be doing some traveling, whether it's to try to have a, a safe social distance Thanksgiving someplace or whether it's heading to the shack for a little bit more hunting. I, I'm guessing we're going to have to go slow this morning, no matter where we're going. Yeah, that's it. And probably uh, this evening and tonight as well. Let's talk first to the dense fog advisory till 10 a.m. And otherwise, clouds and fog today. And especially in the east and south, there could be a little light rain, a few showers developing again toward late afternoon. Temps in the low 40s. The northeast winds 5 to 10. In the east and south tonight, still a few showers. Otherwise, Cloudy skies, some fog almost anywhere again overnight. Down in the mid-30s, north winds at 5 to 10. There may still be fog in the east tomorrow morning and mostly cloudy skies. But through the day, sunshine, first in the west, last in the east. Mid-40s tomorrow, west winds 5 to 10 become variable. Mostly sunny Friday, low 40s. Sunny Saturday, Pam, hang on. Mid and upper 40s should be a beautiful weekend, not at all what we expect to wrap up deer season. Boy, that is for sure. Wow. Yeah, a little on the warm side. Have to unzip the blaze orange a bit. Yeah, I'll be looking for the blaze orange t-shirts again. I can see it. <laughs> oh, there's another one of those fashion statements. I'll tell you, man, never know which way you're coming from. Plaid, blaze That's orange. That's right. Yes. Uh-huh. All right. Well, have a good Thanksgiving, buddy. We'll catch up with you on Friday. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Yep.
Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist with Weather Details, you are looking for it. And like you said, you know, that's one thing we've got to keep an eye on for deer hunters that are still going out there. you got to monitor those temperatures. You just don't know if you do uh, bag the big buck, you got to be ready to process it quick so that uh, the meat doesn't spoil, nothing like that. That's not something we always talk about here in Wisconsin, is it? This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Hey, there goes Pam Yonke in her suburban truck across Wisconsin. Thanks to Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1965. And by your Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin exists to be a tireless advocate, marketer, and promoter for Wisconsin dairy farmers by growing demand for their dairy products. Keep up with Pam on social media, Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook and Twitter, and at MidwestFarmReport.com. Everyone at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board lives and breathes Wisconsin soybeans and can be your knowledgeable ally in the field and at home. With important grower alerts, timely production advice and industry news, and expert-generated grower research, we are the resource to help your crop and business thrive. Stay in the know and connect with the Wisconsin soybean community by finding Badger Bean on Facebook or by visiting badgerbean.com. At Wiffles Hybrids, our family recipe for success has been handed down for three generations. Take two parts high-performing hybrids, mix with one part unmatched quality, then finish it off with our secret sauce, superior customer service. Some people may say it's impossible to get the best hybrids from an independent, family-owned company, to which we'd say, have your cake and eat it, too. Mmm, Wiffles Hybrids, quite possibly the best hybrids you can buy. Don't miss Lowe's Provember event now through 1125. They have deals on brands like DeWalt, Spider, and Metabo HPT. Plus, events you won't want to miss. Lowe's, the new home for pros. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Recently, I moved to Wisconsin, and I decided that it was time to change up my insurance. And after a bit of searching, it was pretty obvious that I needed to go with Rural Mutual Insurance. This is Josh Gramlin from the Midwest Farm Report. Not only did I want a great rate and even better coverage, but I wanted a Wisconsin-based insurance company that protects and supports our Wisconsin farmers and agribusiness community. To find out what Rural Mutual can do for you, do what I did and go to RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Hey, Rodo, you been down there to I-39 Supply yet? Is that that place Hubcap was telling me about with them trailers? Where's that at? You bet, Scooters. About five miles south of Portage in the middle of cornfield. Just like me and your sister. Oh, man. I-39supply.com. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. 
Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. Grant, so uh, let, let's recap of what you were talking about yesterday about that Northwestern game before I ask you about the Packers. Um, your final takeaway on Wisconsin, again, going on to Ryan Field for a stinker of Graham Mertz and the Badgers with uh, all those turnovers. Well, I'm not surprised they lost. I'm surprised they only scored seven points, right? And that's not a diss to Wisconsin. It's just when Northwestern and Wisconsin play, like all space and time and, and the rules of the universe just kind of fall away. I have this theory that there's, there's a Northwestern effect where, like, once you step onto Ryan Field, like, it, it, everything changes. Like, it's completely different, right? And, and every player understands this, but if you've never played at Ryan Field before, it might catch you off guard. And that's my theory of what happened to Graham Mertz. Like, I just had this, this image of Paul Chris trying to warn Graham Mertz, like, hey, Graham, come into my office. i got to talk to you about something. Right, here's what's going to happen. Like, I, I want you to know. And Graham Mertz, you know, I'll, you know, he's 2-0. and He's feeling himself. He's saying, oh, I get it, right? They all have. They all have 4.0s, right? There's going to be like 20 people there. Don't worry, coach. I'm prepared, right? And then he gets there. He's like, holy cow. Okay, so the, the Northwestern thing is Israel. Like, it's, it's like when Luke in The Empire Strikes Back, and I know you're a Star Wars oh, guy. Oh, I'm listening. Yeah, it's when Luke leaves Yoda the first time to go fight Darth Vader. Yeah. And he's all cocky. He's like, ah, it's just Darth Vader. He's got a lightsaber. I'll, I'll handle it. And Yoda's sure. like, this is such a dope. He doesn't know what he's in for. Like, I think that's what happened to Graham Mertz. Same thing that happened to Luke Skywalker. And hopefully next time they go to Ryan Field, Graham Mertz will be ready, and he'll throw for, you know, five touchdowns and not five Now, turnovers. Grant, something you're missing out of this whole equation is the Star Wars analogy. I'm hoping Graham Mertz does not get his hand cut off. His hand does not get cut off, does it? Well, I mean, he threw a pile of interceptions. If there was a football equivalent of getting your hand cut off, I'd say he, he just about nailed well, it. Well, right? I mean, they rebuild, they rebuild Luke Skywalker. They give him a metal arm, and he gets even more powerful. So, Yeah, exactly. I think this is now the rebuilding process for Graham Mertz. He will, be, he will have a bionic hand, Hell and yeah. he will be much better. So next time he plays Darth Vader, it's not going to go <laughs> the same way. He'll have five touchdowns, not five turnovers. So my guy Nelly over here not only has good jokes, but he also had a good theory. You know the, the Bermuda Triangle where like weird stuff happens? Oh, yeah. With magnets and magnetic fields and yada, yada, yada. We think that also exists in Evanston. There's just this weird magnetic field there that bad stuff happens. Now, I've never been there, so I wouldn't know, but my earliest sports memories, right, I remember Brett Favre throwing interceptions but also making amazing throws. Like, if I really remember back, I'm like, oh, yeah, Brett Favre throws picks. We get mad, but he's also amazing. And I also remember 
just my dad and my uncle and my grandpa and every man who likes sports in my life. I was like, oh, the Northwestern always plays the batters tough. Like, I remember that from, like, age four. Like, I didn't know what it meant at the time, but it's been true always <laughs> and forever. So I think there must be some sort of energy. Maybe there, maybe there's, like, a sinkhole under that. Maybe there's, like, a black hole Loch Ness Monster thing in Lake Michigan. Maybe that place. Yeah, okay, yeah. I like, the, I like the theories. Sure, why not? I'll yeah, go with that stuff. Like that. All right, Grant Bills from the Wisco Sports Show joining us right now. You can catch him 4-6 to six here in the zone also and the cross WKTY. Uh, Grant, how about what happened on Sunday? I, uh... I did not obviously care for the Packers in the second half and what they did, and uh, the low-hanging fruit is to fire Mike Pettin, and then I'm looking at Marquez Valdez-Scantling with the fumble, but I don't blame Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, I blame you know Brian Gutekunst for giving these weapons to, quote-unquote weapons, to Aaron Rodgers and uh, Darius Shepard fumbling. I don't blame Darius Shepard. I, bl- I blame the guy who went out and bought the ingredients for the chef to cook with. Um, your final takeaway from the overtime loss to the Colts for your Green Bay Packers. Well, I saw a lot of people yesterday saying that the Packers were exposed, that, that, that yesterday showed that they were soft. Look, if, if you came to some grand conclusion after yesterday's game, then I'm just assuming you didn't watch the first nine games because that was the same Packers team that we've seen all year long. The problem is everything that they're bad at and all of their weaknesses all kind of showed up at once, which is why they were able to blow a game. I mean, they had a 14-point lead. I think their win probability was like 89% with about 18 minutes to play. Like, that's a game they absolutely should have won. But everything that this team is bad at, like, all showed up at once. They can't stop the run. If it would get rid of COVID, they couldn't stop the run. Like, they, they just can't be bothered to stop the run. They give up third and 15s like it's their day job, right? And then the Packers' offense got in a little bit of a rut, and they only got the ball ones or two times in the, in the second half. So, in the grand scheme of things, Ebo, I'm not that shaken up about this loss because I, I don't think we discovered some, like, horrible truth about our team. Like, oh, you know what, they – they're soft. Well, no, I knew that after the Tampa Bay game, right? Like, that's the team that we've watched all year. They just lost the game they shouldn't have lost. The only reason I'm mad is because that could cost them a seed, right? That could be the difference between a bye or a home game and an away game. And that's frustrating because that's a game they had right in their hand. But, I mean, that, that's the same team we've watched. Mike Patton's a doofus. And <laughs> doofus, I like that. Receiver. That's hey, what it comes down to. Uh, a total agreement that Mike Patton's a doofus. If I was his family member, I wouldn't even invite him over for Thanksgiving, even if the government's telling me not to. But also... <laughs> You can hear her clearly, even in a barn full of cows. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. So we told you over the weekend, the White House turkeys arrived in Washington, D.C. They came from the state of Iowa this year. Corn and cob were presented yesterday in the Rose Garden. They are going to be pardoning the head right back to Iowa State for uh, their rest of their natural lives. The Christmas tree that is going to adorn the White House has also arrived. We're giving you details on that and also talking about our Wisconsin Christmas trees as we roll our way through a Wednesday. How are you doing, everybody? Fabulous Farm Aid Pam Yankees. So glad that you're along with us. Weather-wise, we're looking for improving conditions as the week wears on. Today, kind of wet and messy, 41 our expected high. Tomorrow, though, start drying out. A little bit more sun in the forecast and 42. Friday, for fairly dry and 40 degrees. And Saturday looks beautiful, sunshine and 48. I'm Pam Yankee. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Wednesday. So on this day, back in 1950, storm of the century 
hit the eastern United States. You think you don't like our weather? Well, listen to this. This one was known as the Appalachian Storm. The storm reached blizzard conditions and dumped almost 60 inches of snow in the Appalachian area. It brought unseasonable temperatures to the region, caused widespread damage to property, and about 150 people were thought to have been killed because of that storm. Storm of the century in the Appalachian area on this day back in 1950. And now you know. Well, do you know? Do you really know the origins of Thanksgiving? I think we all have heard the the stories about uh, pilgrims and Indians coming together. Is that really what it's all about? Fellow farm broadcaster Gary Crawford gives us the truth behind the turkey. Yes, it's that time again, as Winnie the Pooh says. Hooray, hooray, today is the day to give thanks for giving and give thanks away. Ah, but of course, Pooh's friend Rabbit knows all about Thanksgiving, so please explain it to us. You see, Thanksgiving is about tradition and custom, habit and routine, defined and refined over many long years. Oh, it's about grand dinners. Ah, yes, yes, and it's also about that traditional... Come on! Dallas football game, yes. And in fact, at that first so-called Thanksgiving in this country with the Pilgrims and Indians... There were contests and races and other kinds of things. So in addition to the food, there was also a tradition of athletic events, I guess you could say, if you want to draw this together to the football tradition. That's Anne Efland. She's an historical expert with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Now, I used to think I knew everything about Thanksgiving, just like Rabbit, until I met Anne. Now, most of us know that the Pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock in 1620. And by 1621, they had a harvest to celebrate, um, but only because of the nearby Indians, the Wampanoags. Now, that's fairly common knowledge, but I did not know and had often wondered how the Pilgrims and Indians had been able to communicate. Well, Anne says it turns out that, yes, you had the Indian tribe there. Who happened to have a couple of tribe members who who had um, been to England and knew English and befriended them. A colossal coincidence that probably saved the pilgrims from being wiped out that first winter. So you've got the Native Americans lending a vital helping hand to the pilgrims. So they were taught to plant corn and squash and pumpkins. So that first celebration, when they had uh, been able to grow enough, they knew they would have enough for the winter. They invited the nearby Indians who had been so important to their planting to join in a celebration of the harvest. However, at that first Thanksgiving, there's no direct evidence that they actually ate... Turkey at that celebration. One pilgrim did keep a journal that says they had gone out to shoot wild fowl. So it's not absolutely certain that they had turkey, but they certainly might have. One other misconception many of us have is that from that day on, we celebrated a yearly Thanksgiving Day in this country, and Anne Eflin says no, not at all. It was an on and off thing, mostly off, done at various times in different regions. And finally, some 200 years after that first celebration. There had been a movement led by a woman, uh, Sarah Josepha Hale, who was the editor of a popular ladies' magazine, who was leading a movement for a national holiday. And finally, Mrs. Hale's 40-year campaign bore fruit, and Abraham Lincoln in 1863 declared the last Thursday in November as a national Thanksgiving Day, a celebration of home, hearth, and food. And, of course, we later added football, of course. And for all of it, we are thankful. Right, Pooh? Hooray, hooray, today. In Washington, Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Thanks for Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving Day. 
Gary Crawford from USDA, one of our more creative farm broadcasters. So there you go, a little something to share over the Thanksgiving uh, table as you enjoy your meal. Well, in uh, regards to what we're enjoying this morning, markets are holding firm. You know, yesterday we talked with John Heinberg about this whole uh, abbreviated week influencing computer trading. Well, so far this morning, December corn, now it's down about a penny at 425. January beans are still up to at 1193. July wheat, that's basically unchanged right now at 612 a bushel. Barrel cheese was unchanged yesterday at $1.40. 40-pound black cheese, that was up two cents at $1.68, while AA butter dropped three quarters of a cent to $1.31 per pound. The fluid milk is quiet uh, overnight December dropped three cents yesterday and closed at fifteen sixty three a hundred weight. January milk closed thirteen cents lower at sixteen thirty a hundred weight. Speaking of holiday traditions, on Monday the White House Christmas tree arrived for display. This year it's an eighteen and a half foot Fraser fir from West Virginia. It is going to be featured in the Blue Room of the White House. They expect that there's going to be a public Christmas tree lighting a little bit later into December. You're looking for your own holiday centerpiece when it comes to a real Wisconsin Christmas tree. What do you need to prepare for in light of the pandemic? Talking about that next with Greg Han from uh, Oregon, past president of the Wisconsin Christmas Tree Growers, to give you the rundown on the year. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Mmm. Need to get some rest. This the worst headache ever. Hmm. Right arm's all tingly all of a sudden. Must have slept on it last night. I keep losing my balance. These old bones need some exercise. Granddaddy, what you just said doesn't even make sense. It sounds like gibberish. Sounds like these could be more than what they seem. They could be a sign of stroke. Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm, or leg. Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Sudden trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes out of nowhere. If you or someone you know has any of these symptoms, don't wait. Call 911 immediately. You could make a difference in someone's life, someone you love, maybe even your own. Time lost is brain lost. Find out more at PowerToEndStroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. You have a healthy business and you've weathered the changes. To help plan for 2021, visit Signs by Tomorrow's interactive signage map service. One certainty for next year is that signs will be critical in your continued success. Signs by Tomorrow will help with COVID signage, back-to-business signage, and delivers a fresh new creative look for your image that can increase your bottom line and competitive edge. Visit signsbytomorrow.com forward slash Madison. Imagine it. Signs by Tomorrow can do it. With a suite of metal roof this time of the year, the snow will slide off, keeping you from having to shovel it yourself. And it can prevent major ice dams. These are things you won't have to worry about. Contact us and get on our calendar as soon as you can. We'll help you plan for a beautiful metal roof. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a suite of metal roof. S-W-I-T-A metalroofing.com Suite of metal roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. 
From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. And I know a lot of you are already thinking about it. Right after you wrap up that Thanksgiving meal, maybe you head to the tree stand for a couple more hours after the big buck, but a lot of you are going to think about trying to search for your real Wisconsin Christmas tree. But in light of the pandemic, what is that experience going to look like? What are our Wisconsin Christmas tree growers doing to make sure that you can still have a safe visit? Well, I talked about it with Greg Han. He is a past president of the Wisconsin Christmas Tree Growers and a cut-and-choose operator himself in Oregon, Wisconsin. I had to go back to this past spring, though. March and April, our Christmas tree growers are invested in those trees for 10 years plus. What kind of conversation was Greg Han having with his staff back in March and April when it came to trying to make those trees available in light of a pandemic? Well, the first one was, well, this it'll be all over by the time Christmas comes around, right? Didn't we all think we have a couple months of this, and then, oh, it won't affect our business whatsoever. So that kind of was the first thought. But then as we got into shearing and some other things and uh, H-2A workers trying to get in uh, to Wisconsin, we started to take it a little bit more seriously, thinking, boy, we better uh, start uh, adapting our farms for the holiday seasons because this is not going away as quickly as everybody hoped it did. Mm-hmm. Did you have to change? Did you have to change your practices on the farm at all? Uh, give us a little behind-the-scenes look at what had to go on, Greg, before we even got the opportunity to buy those trees. Sure, on the smaller farms, not so much because you know in most of those smaller farms, there's one or two people doing the field field work on that. Uh, there were more practices on some of the professional. They don't. Uh, some of your uh, audience doesn't understand. There's a uh, actual professional shearing crews that come around and shape the crews. There's 15 to 18 people that can come onto your farm and shear your trees for you. Uh, those people, uh, it was a little bit more cost for us because hotel rooms couldn't be shared like they do sometimes. And uh, they're also doing testing and making sure that they're not bringing uh, COVID onto different areas as they moved around. Never even thought about that, hotel rooms and the like. Now, how has the year been? If we separate ourselves from the pandemic, how's the growing season been for you guys? We have had wonderful growing season. We've had a wonderful growing season for probably the last three years with the amount of rainfall that we've had. Uh, Christmas trees, uh, especially as we get into more of the exotic, I call them exotic here in Wisconsin because a Fraser fir is not a Wisconsin tree. So it's really uh, out of its element here in Wisconsin. So we are irrigating and doing everything to, to that we can, changing pH and soils uh, to make sure that that tree can grow here in Wisconsin. So with the more wet weather, um, they really have liked it. And uh, some people don't realize it's about a 10-year uh, growing cycle for a Christmas tree. So it's not like the corn where you plant it and it'll grow seven feet in a year. Uh, this is a foot a year kind of. It's a patient, patient man's hobby, uh, I like to say sometimes. Uh, so we like those wet weather. So the growing seasons have been great for the last three. Oh, that's beautiful. Anything as far as insects or anything else? Because it's not just about what comes from the sky sometimes. Right. The, the same pests have been a problem. We have a balsam twig aphid, and we have some other uh, pests that are there. Uh, but it's nice with the wet weather. It, some of that has gone away. We've had a uh, little bit milder winters, uh, which sometimes the pests come on strong. But usually in the Christmas tree industry, it's not a huge 
Um, it's not the same as some of the cash crops that you talk about. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, talk a little bit about this season then, Greg. Uh, I'm assuming that supply is looking good. Tell me what's happening right now. Everybody thinks about uh, their family tradition right after Thanksgiving, heading out for that tree. What's happening with you guys right now? Uh, right now, more and more customers are coming early. Um, and also there's a lot of customers that are like, I've, I, I, we haven't had a live tree in five or six years, and this is just the year that I want to have a live tree to make the holidays just that much more special. So I give kudos to our Wisconsin and National Christmas Tree Associations that have pushed that, that people really know that a live tree is that the, the mental and the emotional images of a real Christmas, and, and they want to get back to that this year. So we, we see a surge of new customers as, long as, as well as the uh, other customers all wanting to decorate just a little bit earlier, anything to get past this you know, mundane of sitting at your house with a mask on. Yeah, right. Now, you work with kind of two different sides of the industry, aside from obviously being a grower. You also work the wholesale business and the retail business. Help people understand how that calendar is just a little different, maybe what kind of trees they're looking for versus what they'll see out by your place. Just give us a little description on that behind-the-scenes business. Uh, sure. The wholesale industry, uh, we're number five in the nation. People don't realize how important uh, the, the Christmas tree industry is to Wisconsin, being five in the nation. Uh, we have such a great uh, small uh, economic system in just the Christmas tree industry, um, and we can even touch base on that a little bit as we go. But we start with the wholesale side probably in the, in the 1st of November, uh, those trees are getting ready to be harvested and being shipped. Well, we ship, of course, nationwide. Um, uh, we've had a great uh, harvest year so far for those wholesale trees. And then as we come into this retail market, it seems like the weather is going to be very strong. Um, this year in Wisconsin, I, I really want to emphasize this with the Christmas tree and even the wreath production. We have a large wreath production here. Um, it's been very fortunate for our Wisconsin employees to, to and our, our Wisconsin Christmas tree growers to pick up the employees that have been laid off in the restaurant and, and some of those service industries that have been shut down and contained into that 25% uh, capacity. And uh, myself here in Oregon, Wisconsin, I've hired more wait staff and kitchen staff than I've ever had. And they, are, they really appreciate having this industry in Wisconsin so that they could get a paycheck when their times are lean somewhere else. So it's just been, it, it's, it, it's been a good year for Christmas trees to be in Wisconsin to help that kind of um, situation out. So is, uh, are you noticing anything else as far as uh, tree preference? Uh, maybe we should go through for all these newbies that are suddenly coming back around, Greg, maybe just a couple things that they want to think about when they're going to buy that tree. If they're not talking directly to a guy like you that's been in it all his career, what kinds of things should they be asking that Christmas tree vendor? Well, what, what we're trying to do is uh, look to see. It's not really that important to ask when the tree was cut. It's more important, and that's what everybody wants to know. Was it cut in the last day or two? Or, you know, and that's not really the important part. It's more of how they were stored. Um, were the trees you know, kept in shade? And you can do that on your own as you, as you walk into a place, and you can see where they stood up, where they actually baled and shade cloth. 
Are they laid together? So you can be aware of your surroundings a little bit as a consumer to see are these trees actually getting dried out because they're all stood up and they're in the sun and the wind? Are they laid on a blacktop parking lot? Um, those things you can be aware of. Besides actually putting your hand, you don't want to pull on the branches um, or try to pick the needles off because you can ab- absolutely break them off, but you just want to gently place your hand in the tree to see if uh, any needle- needles do come off into your hands, uh, and you can really gauge how fresh that tree is. Mm-hmm. Then the next step would be wherever you buy your tree, make sure either the the person, and we're getting better in the, within the Christmas tree industry of um the growers doing the fresh cut for you. If you choose a tree that isn't a choosing cut and you get it at a lot, uh, most of the lots will be asking you, do you want me to do a fresh cut on it or do you want to do a fresh cut when you get it home? That fresh cut is, is as important, if not more important, than cutting your own tree because uh, that fresh cut opens those pores back up that have been sapped up. Just like if you're in your yard and you cut a branch off the tree, you see that sap starting to come up. Well, when a, in a couple hours, if you go back to that cut in your yard, that sap is going to be kind of hardened off. Well, the same thing happens when you harvest a Christmas tree. So you need to make that fresh cut one or two inches. Um, I like to recommend that you don't do it with a carpenter saw. Uh, a nice rough cut saw or a bow saw works better. Uh, you can actually cauterize those cells with a large carpenter saw. Um, and that really affects how the cells drink water. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you, you know, now that I've uh, decided to invest, what are you hearing from other Christmas tree growers, uh, Greg, as far as price trends? Uh, you know, like you said, the market's been disrupted. You're helping a lot of folks out by offering them jobs. Do you see any major fluctuation in the price that we're going to pay for that beautiful, real Wisconsin Christmas tree? I really don't. I think that uh, prices are going to hold very similar uh, I don't see a huge jump up on prices. Uh, I, I see people wanting to spend the money to, to find a live tree this year, but I think the prices are, aren't going to jump up to really reflect that huge demand. Mm-hmm. Greg Han, past president of the Wisconsin Christmas Tree Growers. He's got a choose-and-cut operation of his own in Oregon, Wisconsin. And, you know, the other thing that he didn't focus in on was the expense that a lot of our Wisconsin Christmas tree growers are going to to keep you and your family safe. Greg, for example, has got a saw sanitation station when you go out to his operation. Obviously, the saw is a touch point, so it's got to be sanitized. That's one of the new investments and new ways that our Wisconsin Christmas tree growers are thinking about doing business. Now, if you're looking for a Wisconsin Christmas tree operator, remember our Wisconsin Christmas Tree Growers Association's got a website with all their members. That's christmastrees-wi.org. And that, my friends, is a Wednesday farm show. No farm activities for us on Thanksgiving Thursday. On behalf of Josh, Caitlin, Bob, and Scott, as well as myself, sincerely hope that you have yourself a very safe and 